It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law, featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Terry Liu, an attorney at the law firm of Malcolm Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to mockbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Or call us at 312-726-1243. One of the most visible problems in and around many major cities is homelessness. But what can we do to really help the homeless? Today, I will be speaking with Brian Crone, the founder and president of Chicago Tiny House, an organization that is tackling the issue of homelessness by providing affordable housing through the use of innovative tiny houses. As an advocate for the homeless, Brian has used his entrepreneurial spirit to initiate real change. Brian, welcome to our show. Thank you. So, Brian, uh, I guess the most obvious question is, for those who don't know, what is a tiny house? Uh, in all legality, a tiny house is just a dwelling or an occupancy that is uh, lower than 700 square feet. Okay, it sounds a little like my apartment. Uh, right. Why is this an affordable and innovative solution to homelessness? Because it provides the daily needs of, of, of what a person needs to function. Are there uh, examples of tiny houses being used in other cities? Oh, yeah. There's, uh, there's, to my knowledge, there's at least 14 other homeless communities out in existence as of today. Have you been able to visit any of these communities? I haven't personally visited them, but I've spoken to several of them already, and we've we've made good partnerships together and talked about a whole bunch of issues. Got it. Um, and how did you first come across the idea of a tiny house? Well, I was an advocate for our tent city underneath the bridges of Lawrence and Wilson Avenue uh, bridges along Lakeshore Drive. And what that was, it was about 60 to 80 people who were homeless that lived actually in tents underneath the bridges. And then, uh, unfortunately, the city evicted these people without means, and they had nowhere to go. So we needed an illegal avenue to come up with to help these people. So we thought of of creating Chicago Tiny House. Hmm. Interesting. And um, what first began your passion for creating solutions to homelessness? Well, I've kind of always had a spirit for the homeless. Uh, I've operated numerous soup kitchens as well as pantries. and uh, But along my, my, my life's journey, uh, I ended up having a heart attack, a really bad heart attack, and which put me out of work. And uh, I found myself in a bad predicament for about six months, and I became homeless. So I understand what they're going through, and I understand how hard it is to get back on your feet. So it's always stayed with me. Um, as someone who has worked with the homeless and has experienced homelessness at one point in your life, um, what, what do you believe needs to change with the way that we understand and respond to homelessness? Well, I think the major issue in today's world, no matter where you are, is that homeless is looked on as a plague. It's looked on as a disease. It's looked at, you know, everybody's a drug addict, everybody's a, 
a felon or whatever. And that's what really needs to change because if you look at today's economy, we're about a dollar short of being homeless, almost everybody that you know. So it's getting harder and harder to live and low income housing is falling off the map and there's nowhere else to go. Uh, are, are tiny houses potentially um, another form of low-income housing? Correct. I mean, there's different avenues that you could use tiny houses. There's different sizes. You could use them for low-income rentals. You could use them for homeless populations. You can. They're designed to be very uh, uh, flexible in nature. And uh, in your experience, um, how do most people view homelessness? Again, uh, it's, it's it's not a good vision. It's uh, it's they don't mind homeless people, but not in their backyard. And in my experience, uh, everywhere is somebody's backyard. Correct. Could you maybe share an experience um, that you had personally that that really helped change your perspective on homelessness? Again, it was basically when I was homeless, and this was when I was living in Woodstock, Illinois. And uh, it was really hard to find yourself in a predicament where you had no means. And uh, But, you know, I got my act together. I found a, a part-time job after that. And then uh, one, one specific instance was that the local library in, in Woodstock they wouldn't let homeless people uh, sign up for library cards. Hmm. And I took that as a personal issue. And uh, well, what would happen is, you know, if you were homeless, you'd come in there, you'd have to sign this book, and you weren't allowed to take any books out. And, you know, the average person, a three or four-year-old, could have a, a library card and take books out and take them home. But they're not trusting grown people with just because they're homeless, they wouldn't let them in the library. Hmm. So I took that as a personal attack. And then we were able to call a bunch of legal people. And then we got the laws changed in Woodstock. So I was really proud of that. Hmm. Thank you for sharing. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Terry Liu of the law firm of Mock and Baker. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit mockbaker.com. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today, we've been speaking with Brian Crone, founder and president of Chicago Tiny House, about innovative solutions to the issue of homelessness. Uh, now, Brian, before the break, you mentioned that um, you encountered this specific experience in Woodstock um, that, that was a challenge that that was a result of your homelessness at the time. Um for, for those who haven't been homeless before, um, what are some of the sort of unexpected challenges you face when you don't have um, like a permanent residence? Well, number one, without a permanent residence, you have nowhere to go. Uh, I mean, you could hang out at the police stations. You can hang out. Nobody wants you nowhere when, when you don't have a home to go to. I mean, you, you can't shower. You can't all the daily personal issues that you have to do to live, you cannot do, but you can, but you have to find deceptive methods to do that. Like go wash in the lake or, you know, I mean, seriously, I mean, I've known people that have to had to take baths in the lake because they can't find a bath, a suitable place to take a bath. Mm -hmm. So these are the, 
the most hard, the hardest points about being homeless is transportation, not knowing where to go. There's no income coming in, so you can't go anywhere. And people say, oh, why don't they just get a job? How are they going to get a job if they can't even get to the interview? Hmm. So, yeah. So and these are points that just were crazy during that time. Sure. Yeah. And often when you're applying for a job, one of the first questions on the application is what is your address? Exactly. And yeah. what do you put down? Sure. You know, I live on, you know, such and such street. That's it. <laughs> and yeah. If you did that, you're probably never going to get that job. Yeah. One of the um, shelters that I volunteered at, um, one of the nice things we were able to do uh, for our, our guests was to, to give them permission to list the shelter as an address for employment right. applications. Right. But that only gets you so far because right. at some point the employer looks up the address, realizes it's a homeless shelter. Um, and sign, come some That's of the negative the stereotypes in, yeah, right? that you mentioned earlier, they come into play. So uh, tell me a little bit more about tiny houses. Could you describe them? Of course. Uh, the houses would be yeah. about 303 square feet. Uh, they're completely ADA accessible, which means wheelchairs can go all through the house freely. Mm -hmm. They're electric. There's no gas. There'll be uh, heat and air, of course. Uh, there's a living room, kitchen, uh, bedroom, and a little area for them to put stuff away. Okay. Um, and you mentioned that they're ADA accessible. Is that Correct. an important uh, component of a tiny to house? To me, it is, because right now we're doing it for uh, the veterans. Mm -hmm. And most of the veterans either are coming home with major disabilities, and they, have to, they can't get up into a loft. Mm -hmm. So that's why... My main concern was to help them uh, be able to live in their own house. Is homelessness something that impacts veterans? It is. Uh, we have one of the highest numbers of uh, veterans, homeless or displaced, in the entire United States. I see. So building tiny houses is a solution to homelessness, but it's also, it sounds like, uh, part of a potential way of caring for veterans. Correct. I mean, this is a, a niche market, of course. You have people who want it for sale, you know, where they're developing $85,000 tiny houses, which is a little consuming and not suitable for the purpose that I'm in it for. We're in it to help people, so we want to keep that cost low. So we're developing tiny houses that are affordable and that can be actually given to these people when they're, when they're done. Um, what, what are the sort of main building materials used in constructing a It tiny would be house? wood. It's a wood frame with a, a uh, they call it a, uh, a flat foundation. And these would hold up during Chicago winters? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're built for temperaments. So. And then what, is, what would be the, like, the average cost of building a unit it's like about, that? It's around $25,000 per house. And right now, it's probably the cheapest tiny house that we can come up with that, with all the amenities. Got it. All right. Coming up, we will talk further with Brian Crone, founder and president of Chicago Tiny House, about real solutions to homelessness. I'm Terry Liu, and this is Lawyers for Jesus.
Hi, this is Pastor McCracken, pastor of the Church of Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in Markham, Illinois. For the last four years, our church has been struggling to overcome the city's efforts to shut us down. In the midst of all of our legal issues, we felt overwhelmed and discouraged. All we wanted to do was worship the Lord and serve our community. We needed a law firm that not only had the knowledge of the law, but the same commitment of the kingdom of God. The Lord connected us with the law firm of Malcolm Baker. The attorneys at Malcolm Baker have not only provided us with exceptional legal representation and counsel, but have also provided us with the added gift of lawyers who pray with us and seek the guidance of the Lord at every step. After working with Malcolm Baker, we can't imagine working with anyone else. If your church or ministry has any legal needs, please call us, 312-726-1243, or look us up online at maukbaker.com. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Terry Liu, an attorney at Mock & Baker, a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals with their legal needs. If you missed the first part of this show and want to listen online, go to mockbaker.com forward slash radio. Today, we've been speaking with Brian Crone, founder and president of Chicago Tiny House, about the potential positive impact that tiny houses can have in addressing the issue of homelessness here in Chicago. Now, Brian, um, you mentioned that you have a wealth experience uh, working with the homeless, um, and I'm sure in during that time, uh, you've seen success stories. You've seen the positive impact that finding uh, a more permanent uh, home can have on someone's life. Can you share a story like that with us? Of course. Uh, you know, in my stint of working at uh, the Wilson Bridges, uh, there was a young lady that I knew. Uh, she was really down and out. Uh, she lived in a tent, and she had been living there for years. Uh, she had no families. Uh, she had no no work, no nothing. She didn't have any any means to actually live. And uh, it, it wasn't me per se, but we 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 got her the help that she needed through the the local surround services. And what I mean is, we actually we got her sheltered. And then uh, she got her SSI. Uh, and then once she got her SSI, she was able to move into her own apartment and get off of the bridge. Uh, and now she's living just like you and me. I mean, she's got her own place. She's got, she buys her own groceries. She has a caseworker that helps her with her mental abilities. And it's just a blessing to me because, I mean, if you were to met this lady off the street, you would probably run away from her, but uh, it was it was such a blessing to me to see this go go through like this because it was like a really heartache story, and uh, you know if it could work with her, it could work with anybody, mm. and you know and that's really basically what you need. You need a a, a few number of people just to to push people and help them with the the surround services needed to help that person. Uh, so you develop a game plan and then you go with the game plan. And every time you do that, it's going to work. No matter where you're at, it's going to work. Uh, can you uh, describe for our listeners what you mean when you say surround services? Sure. And surround services is, is stuff like, you know, everything that you need to survive that you don't know. Like, for example, uh, 
caseworkers will come in generally either once a day or once a week, depending on the individual. They'll help you with your finances, your laundry, cooking abilities, stuff like, you know, to get you back on track that you need to know. Essentials for life living is basically what it is. Um, In hearing you uh, talk about sort of all the necessary resources that that help someone transition from homelessness out of homelessness. It sounds like there's, it requires a lot more than just sort of one person Correct. trying to tackle the problem on their own. Um, is uh, some kind of community model part of the tiny house plan? There is. I mean, every tiny house community has their own model, but it, it basically has to include surround services. If you just throw somebody in a house and and you give them no aftercare or surround services, they're going to fail. There's no way that a person, and that's, I think, the issue with our HUD system is, is that, you know, HUD throws people in apartments, but they don't give them the care that they need. Uh, the tiny home communities, they all are based on community, uh, community living, community meals, or community health benefits, community everything. Uh, they're intended for people to grow and learn. And I think that's why every tiny home community that's out there right now is succeeding. Yeah, you mentioned uh, in the first segment that um, there are tiny house communities in other cities and Correct. that there, we've seen success in those cities. Can you describe some of the positive impacts those communities have had in those other cities? Of course. I mean, right when they were starting... Uh, every tiny house community runs into the opposition. You know, uh, they feel that homeless people, again, are stigmated with with drugs and alcohol, high crime rates, and so forth and so on. But uh, once you look at when they build and they start taking these people in and they start rehabilitating, so to speak, uh, the people in their communities – they end up being prosperous community members. And what I mean is that, you know, the community crime doesn't grow. The the alcoholism is being treated or the drugs are being treated. And so there's no crime there to report. I mean, you're you're getting a bunch of community-based members that care about where they are to help other people in that area. And it's just a win-win situation. Wow, that's incredible. Right. Um, I'm sort of wondering why we don't have them here yet, um, right, but I we'll mean. talk about that after the mid-segment. Uh, you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Terry Liu of the law firm Mock and & Baker, and we're talking to Brian Crone, founder and president of Chicago Tiny House, about uh, the positive impact that tiny house communities have had in other towns, in other cities, and and his efforts to bring those communities here to Chicago. Uh, so, Brian... Chicago Tiny House is yes yet to build one of these communities here in Chicago. What's standing in the way? Hmm, I think the major hurdle is zoning. Uh, tiny houses have never been built here in Chicago before or in Illinois, so we have no no zoning laws that pertain to tiny houses. Uh, the mayor last year called for an RFI, which is a request for information. Uh, which he invited us to draw up a proposal on how we felt the tiny house community would fit into Chicago. We uh, submitted our proposal, and we haven't heard back from him. Uh, 
as far as I know, is they put a freeze on any zoning changes to four tiny houses. I'm not sure. They refuse to answer my calls now, uh, so we don't know what's going on. But the process is for zoning is that the each community here in Chicago has an alderman. And the, these aldermen, they get together once a month or whatever it is, and they vote on the zoning laws. And uh, we can't even get to the city council because the mayor won't even let us uh, advance. Uh, hopefully with the new mayor, Miss Lightfoot, in, indoors, we can get an appointment with her somehow. So if you know anybody, please let us know. Mm -hmm. uh, but we really need to see Miss Lightfoot to see if we could advance our progress. And uh, hopefully this year, this is what we're going to be really concerning with is zoning. Would it be helpful for our listeners who are interested in voicing support for tiny houses here in Chicago to contact their local aldermen? Uh, you, that, and you can also go to our website, uh, chicagotinyhouse.ngo. We have a current and active uh, petition for zoning. Uh, it's, we, we highly encourage anybody that lives in Chicago to sign this petition because uh, we take these names and numbers to the city council when they allow us. So um, obviously there are challenges, um, but I'd like to, to, to dream a little here. Um, right. So assuming that the zoning challenges can be overcome, Brian, um, how, well, they will, trust <laughs> how will you implement tiny house communities uh, once that zoning is approved? Well, we already have a model. We have our model. We have our designs. All we have to do is get funds and start building. Okay. Um, do you know where they'll be located? Uh, not off. We do have a lot of land that was set aside for us, but uh, we don't know what's going to happen with it because of zoning. So we have to wait and see. Um, will they be focused more in one neighborhood where you can get favorable zoning or are they more likely to be spread throughout the city? My envision is to have them all over Chicago in every neighborhood, but I'm, I'm sure we're going to have to start small. So it'll probably, I don't care where we put them because tiny houses are, uh, suitable anywhere. Um, will there be an application process to determine who will live in the tiny houses? Our process is going to be a need process. So it's it's a lot different from what other people think. It's not where we sit down and grill people. What are your finances? What is this? We go by a needs assessment. Um, and, and you mentioned that uh, the next step after the zoning piece would be to, to raise funding. Correct. Um, funding. Would that be mainly through donations? Correct. Donations or uh, uh, businesses, if they want to come in and partner with us. We have uh, uh, sponsorships available on our website. Please feel free to come to the website and donate anything that you can. Uh, even time, we have volunteer spaces open. Uh, we're creating a huge list of volunteers so for when we do start, we have them in place and ready to go. All right. Brian, we appreciate you speaking with us today. How can people learn more about Chicago Tiny House and show their support? Again, you can go to chicagotinyhouse.ngo or call us at 312-383-7519. If today's program has inspired you to show your support for Chicago Tiny House, Inc., 
Um, there's a petition for zoning on their website. I will be signing that petition. I encourage our listeners to sign it as well. Or you can also go to their volunteer links on that website. That's chicagotinyhouse.ngo. And their phone number is 312-383-7519. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Mock and Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at mockbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Visit our website to subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter with legal updates or call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for free consultation. Thank you for listening. I'm Terry Liu, attorney at Mock and Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Somebody, yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.